It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll right get through now, the it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which means coming up in about an hour, we'll have our uh, political roundtable armchair politics, um, two hours of commentary and analysis uh, about uh, local, state, and national headlines about uh, politics and current events plus a few interesting quotes and uh, those weird and wacky stories we call the x-files and uh, political emeritus woodrow stanley will be joining our roundtable regulars paul rosicki on the left and henry hatter on the right so i hope you'll stay with us for that but we're going to talk uh, about uh, about something else um this first hour it, it's we're coming up in a few weeks uh, on on the 20th anniversary of September 11th and uh, the attack that brought down the, the twin towers in New York, the World Trade Center building, or buildings rather, and uh, and just recently we were reminded of of those kinds of images by the collapse of a building in Florida, the uh, Surfside uh, apartment. Uh, complex and, and building that collapsed there. But thanks to social media and the 24-hour news cycle, we see pretty shocking tragedies played out 
in our living rooms where we've spent most of our time the last year and a half by the way um, on a fairly regular basis and we're going to talk about what that does to people and and how you can um, deal with your emotions following tragic events whether they're off somewhere else happening to other people or whether it's something closer to home with my uh, guest this hour who is a trauma specialist Kara Bowman and she joins me by phone hi Kara welcome to the show hi thank you for having me and thank you so much for talking about this it's really an important subject well, it, and it's becoming more and more so because I can't help thinking that that some of the discord that we see played out in in American politics is the result of of people whose nerves are basically frayed from all of these images, some that seem very close to home. That's a really good point. Um, fear drives a lot of uh, what's what we're seeing, I think, in politics. And fear comes from um, an unrealistic view of the world that the media presents. When you're seeing every bad thing that's happening in the world and you're not seeing every good thing, the world becomes a very scary place. Well, and, you know, I, the attack... The, let's, let's talk about these two... Uh, big building collapses, the one in Florida recently, um, and and then September 11th, which was 20 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Visually, they look kind of the same, but they're very different events. One was an attack, the other was infrastructure failure. Is there something different about the way we react to those two different causations? Well, people can react in a lot of different ways, and how people react to tragedy depends a lot on their background. We think that trauma uh, and grief have to do with what happens to us, but it has much more to do with what we're bringing into the situation. For example, most soldiers in war do not get um, post-traumatic stress, and when the uh, military has studied who does and doesn't get post-traumatic stress uh, following combat. It turns out that it's what they brought into the military that makes the difference. And that has to do with their um, previous trauma history, their resilience, their personal resilience, um, their ways of self-soothing, their ways of explaining the world to themselves, um, their support system, things such as that. So um, there are a lot of different ways people would respond to those events. You can uh, be traumatized by those events vicariously. So vicarious trauma is trauma that didn't happen to you, but trauma you witnessed, and you can witness that through the media. And visually, those events look somewhat similar, seem somewhat similar, and so the trauma from, if you were traumatized by the first, the trauma from the second could trigger um, that, that um, PTSD. You could also not be traumatized by the events, but be thrown into grief. And grief, grief has to do with loss. Um, loss doesn't have to be the loss of a person, and it doesn't even have to be the loss of something concrete. 
such as a house in a fire. Loss can also be the loss of a belief, such as the world is safe or the world is fair or the world is predictable. And I think 9-11 really um, brought home that loss, and the collapse in Florida brought that loss closer to home for some of us. Could my home collapse if I'm living in a high-rise? Could the home of someone I love collapse? So, um, so you're, you have what's called, everyone has what's called an assumptive worldview, which is our assumptions that we're working on about how the world works. And we don't even realize we have those. It's like the water we're swimming in until those uh, collapse. And when our assumptive worldview um, proves untrue, that our very home isn't safe, then that can throw us into grief. So there's, there are a lot of different ways that, that different people are responding. Can you, um, can you define and explain trauma a little bit. I think most of us, when we hear the word trauma, the first thing that comes into my mind is a soldier wounded on a battlefield, someone in a car accident, something that involves uh, physical trauma. But there are different types of trauma, aren't there? Sure. Thanks for asking that. So, so I'll first start off with a disclaimer. There is a um, there is post-traumatic stress syndrome and acute trauma syndrome, and those are diagnoses, and those are very narrowly defined, and those have to do with an event that happened to somebody and specific symptoms they have. So I'm not going to talk about that. Um, those, somebody might be traumatized and may, may not meet the definition, the clinical definition for being diagnosed as having been traumatized. So there are broader definitions, though, and the broader definitions have to do with how the person reacted rather than what happened to them. And so a person who's traumatized is someone whose defense systems were overwhelmed, and they are in fight, flight, or freeze, and most of us know what that feels like um, because most of us have been in that, in that state for a small amount of time. So our body is made to go into this stress when we're threatened, and it's an adaptive mechanism. But the problem is when we're threatened or we think we're threatened, sometimes we aren't threatened, but we can feel like we're threatened, such as watching the um, building collapse or hearing about the building collapse, um, we can go into this fight, flight, or freeze state, and a key characteristic of trauma is there is no way to act in order to change your situation. So you're helpless. That's a key characteristic of trauma. So someone who goes into fight, flight, or freeze and can't act in order to get out of it um, is traumatized. We, we call them traumatized. Now, most people who are traumatized don't go on to develop PTSD. PTSD is someone who has um, re-experiences the event after a month. So it has to go on for more than a month. And when I say re-experience, I mean they have, um, they aren't remembering the event. All of us remember events, but they are actually, their body and mind thinks the event is happening again. So that's, that's the key to trauma. 
to PTSD. I'm sorry, to PTSD. So many of us felt traumatized when we heard about this event, and many of us worked through that trauma and um, are now grieving. Um, mm-hmm. Are people, and, and I'm not exactly sure how to phrase this, Kara, but... Uh, it, it, we see so many horrible images, whether it's that building collapse in Florida that we mentioned or the George Floyd killing, um, the, the events at the Capitol on January 6th. And what I'm wondering is if we're in a constant state of trauma and and have we become numb to it or or in some ways so uh, it's such a repeated thing that we just stay in that mindset and don't know that we've been reaffected uh, does that make any sense i'm not sure i phrased it very well yeah I, yeah that does make sense that I, I don't think we become numb to it we think we become numb to it because uh we kind of uh are in a state of overwhelm and and not feeling your emotions um, being in that um, threat mode can feel numb, um, but we aren't actually numb to it. The problem with being in that threat mode is it comes out sideways. It comes out in terms of um, either substance abuse or anger or um, depression. It, 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 there's always a toll to being in that. We have three emotional regulation systems in our body. One is that threat mode, and we're made to be in that for very short bursts. And as you pointed out, right now we're in that over and over and over and over again. And that takes a toll uh, emotionally, and it, it takes a toll. It, it causes anxiety. It causes depression. It causes substance abuse. It causes anger. It takes a toll physically as well because every single time you're in that threat state, you're releasing adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, and those things are are just toxic to your body long term. Uh, Another emotional regulation system is the pleasure system, and that's dopamine. And sometimes we try to uh, go to that system in unhealthy ways, um, such as with uh, alcohol or or drugs, um, or even overdoing things like work or exercise, um, and that's not really a system we can stay in long-term. And the third system where we really want to hang out is um, the relaxation system, and that is where we're releasing oxytocin, and that's this feeling of peace and well-being. In our society, a lot of people, a lot of people I see in my private practice, they're they're ping-ponging back and forth between the pleasure system and the threat system. Kara, I I hate to interrupt, but I have to put a comma here because I have a break coming up. And and I want to talk some more about how we we manage that ping-pong effect. Um, Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Of course. All right. My guest is uh, trauma specialist Kara Bowman. And uh, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about trauma with trauma specialist and my guest this hour, Kara Bowman. Kara, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no problem. Um, just before the break, we we were talking in the last segment about uh, uh, sort of defining trauma, and, and you were talking a little bit about how people react to traumatic events and uh, sort of ping-ponging back and forth between um, three different uh, uh, defaults. And um, you were talking about your um, some of your patients or clients um, and that ping-pong effect, if you want to pick it up from there. Mm-hmm. Sure. So... So usually what people do when they're in the threat system is they they're, they try to go to the pleasure system, but that the healthy place to be is in the long term is the well-being system. And if you can think of uh, Buddhist monks or contemplative um, nuns, that kind of thing, they're in the state of, of peace. And so you want to have these, these um, hormones that, are relaxing hormones in your body. And so the first thing that everybody says to do is to turn off the media. Um, our brains are constantly scanning for negative things in order to keep ourselves safe. They, they say, oh, there's a danger. We have to watch out for that now for the rest of our lives. And that's just kind of how we're wired. That's how we keep ourselves safe. So watching the media gives our brains more things to scan for and be hypervigilant about. So turning off the media uh, is definitely number one, um, especially the visual media, because we're very visual creatures. So taking in the images uh, can be much more um, damaging than, than reading about some of these events if you want to stay up on the news. Um, so there are, there are a lot of other things you can do. Um, one is is framing, how you frame things. We find that people who aren't as affected by trauma really have a positive way of framing things. Um, People can get that in childhood, but they can also learn to grow that in their lives. There's something called post-traumatic growth. Some people grow grow after trauma. And those people, um, their change in their worldview becomes positive. Some people become more cynical and fearful, but others can become more appreciative of what they have. They can find greater meaning and purpose in life, and they can become closer to others. So you can control that to yourself. You can make proactive decision to turn toward more appreciation, more meaning and purpose, and more connection with others. Um, another thing we can do is... Um, learning about common reactions to trauma because that helps us not blame ourselves, not, helps us not feel broken, uh, helps us not feel flawed, that there's something wrong with us, but it put, puts, us, puts our reactions in a greater context if we're feeling down, if we're feeling jumpy. Um, it, it, it normalizes that, and then we don't have the, the self-blame piece, um, we have more self-acceptance. Uh, we can uh, talk, just connect with other people. It doesn't have to be about how we're feeling even. 
it can just be connecting with other people. Um, there's a Swedish proverb that I, I love. It's, it says, joy shared is a double joy, and sorrow shared is half a sorrow. And so um, being with others seems to be very healing. We have mirror neurons. When people feel a certain way, we mirror that. And when we feel a certain way, they mirror that. So we seem to be biologically wired to be social animals. Um, and then, go ahead. When when Please. big things, uh, when when these big tragic events happen, whether it's a hurricane or an earthquake or an attack like September 11th or this past year January 6th or infrastructure failure, um, is isn't there sort of a, a feeling of of helplessness and and how do we couch that and, and address that. Absolutely. So it's the old bumper sticker, um, think globally, act locally. So you really have to think in terms of where do I have control? Since trauma is a, a loss of control, um, you have to think where do I have control in my life and act in those spheres. So you don't have control over um, making sure that every building that goes up is is safe to uh, um, to the changes that global warming is bringing, for example. But you do have control in many different spheres in your life. And the more that you are, uh, uh, you see your own efficacy in your own life, the more you will feel less like a victim and um, more empowered. And can, so... Can you... Can you um, flip a switch to get to that wellness or relaxation place, um, whether it's through meditation or, or um, camaraderie with other people. Um, I, it, I used to have a, a, a saying that I used that, that goes, mind over what's the matter. <laughs> I like that. And, I and, and can, you, can you do that? Can you just change your mindset well, and, and use this, some this, technique. This is actually a pet peeve of mine is people <laughs> go to classes and read books and they, they often prescribe an answer. And I've found with my clients that there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer. It's more experimental. People need to experiment and find what works for them. So there's a difference between grief and trauma. Um, and so let me talk about each of those. Yeah, um, please. People who are traumatized, trauma happens in the body. It's very ph physiological. And so it needs to be healed in the body. And so things that are helpful for trauma are uh, yoga, um, martial arts, dance, somatic therapies, um, body work such as massage, physical exercise. So bringing up the traumatic memories in a, an atmosphere where your body is calmed, it helps calm the alarm that your mind is, is sending. So your mind is vigilant and sending an alarm that something's wrong and doing something physically calming. It could just be deep breathing. So people need to experiment and do what works for them. Um, in terms of calming themselves physically. 
so that's really what works for trauma is is bringing up memories and physically um, calming. It, it could be deep breathing. It could be uh, muscle relaxation. Um, and it could be any one of those other um, physical actions I named. And um, it's just a matter of finding out what works for you. Grief is a little bit different. Um, grief is um, more in the mind, less in the body, and less in the nervous system. And the, the idea with grief is to allow the feelings, whatever feelings you have, um, it's, it's not just sorrow, uh, grief in, in terms of these, these major events can also be shock, can also be uh, um, a deep sense of unfairness, disappointment that the world is like this. Um, there can be a lot of different feelings. There can be, uh, you can be really touched at how people come together, like after 9-11, and, and help one another. There can be some positive feelings, too. And so the idea of grief is to accept all your feelings in an atmosphere of compassion and self-compassion. And it's also somewhat experimental what works for people. For some people, meditation works. Meditation doesn't work well with trauma at all because... Um, being alone with your own mind usually just reinforces the trauma. Having emptiness in your mind, um, uh, visualizations and relaxations, filling up your mind with words usually works better with trauma. But with grief, meditation can work. Um, relax. There, and I, um, I wrote a book of poetry called Heartbreak to Hope, and my idea was to give people some ways of accepting their, their feelings. I, if, you, if it's okay with you, I'd like to read one of the poems, which is just gives an example of how to, how to grieve, really. Sure. Um, it's called Love. Take good care of your precious pain. Wrap your strong arms around it. Hold it against your warm chest. Rock it gently telling it softly that it is loved. It is needed. It is important. It makes perfect sense. And love it, just as it is in all of its agonizing beauty. So Very that's nice. really what, thank you, that's really what we need to do to grieve. We really need to just be with our feelings with compassion and self-compassion. And if we do that, there are some stages we go through. They're not, they're not the stages that most of us have heard about. The, the stages of grief have been debunked. But there are some tasks of grief that, we, that will happen without us trying. We will accept the reality of the loss. And in this case, the loss is usually metaphorical. The loss is usually loss of safety, loss of the idea that the world is a, is a kind, gentle place loss of predictability, loss of even understanding how things work, um, loss of fairness, um, feeling the emotions, um, adjusting to the, your new worldview, and then imagining uh, a new 
life or meaning for yourself in the world going forward. So those, those tasks will happen in the background if you just allow the feelings and accept the feelings compassionately. My guest is trauma specialist Kara uh, Bowman. And Kara, um, we often hear about the five stages of grief. Um, is, is there any way to move those along, or do we just have to let yeah. them play out and at their own pace? Yeah, the, the stages of grief have been debunked, um, including by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who invented them. Um, she was a brilliant woman because she was the first person who really talked to dying people and and asked them what their experience was and found that it was not uniform. They weren't just grief-stricken and sad. They had a range of emotions. But over her, the, her life and her career, she discovered that it was much more complex than five linear um, emotions. And, and she uh, became much more nuanced. And, and I'm kind of sad that her book is still for sale and, and, still, a, and still sells well because um, we've learned that there are many, many more than five feelings and that they certainly aren't linear. Um, so it's, there's, the way to move them along is really to allow them um, take a break when you need to. You don't have to feel every single second. And to uh, share with other people. Um, that's really how, how to move grief along. The people I see who stay stuck in grief are the people who don't feel it. They numb it through alcohol or drugs or workaholism or, or just cutting themselves off from their own feelings. Um, and sometimes I have people come into my practice um, 12 years, 20 years. I've even had it as long as um, 48 years after a loss. They'll come into my practice and they won't have grieved it. And it, it really does affect their lives. You can't compartmentalize and put grief aside without having it come out and affect your life in some way. Um, usually the people live very truncated lives if they're not actually grieving. So even these public events, um, these, these shared events need to be grieved, um, or they will affect us. You know, over this last year and a half, because of the pandemic, a lot of people have found themselves in quarantine situations, and even with all the miracles of modern technology and the ability to, you know, continue to function online for meetings and visits with grandma and all of that kind of stuff, there's still a, a, a feeling of being somewhat disjointed, and I know I certainly feel it, and Recently, I've had a couple different people ask me if I was depressed, and I don't mm -hmm. feel like I am. Mm -hmm. How do you know? How do you know? Um, you, it has to be affecting your life in a in okay. a in some way in order for you to be depressed. It, it, it almost all of the the diagnoses um, in the in the. Uh, manual have as one of the characteristics to diagnose somebody it has to be negatively affecting their life so if it's not negatively it, it causing distress or inability 
um, to function, then kind of by definition, you don't have it. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, they're, in the long run, they're kind of going from a categorical idea of mental illness to more of a spectrum idea. So right now we think of somebody is or isn't depressed. And I think in 20 years we're going to be, it's going to be more like autism, where we think in terms of a spectrum. Somebody might be a little bit depressed. Um, and so, so it's possible that, that people are having small, um, small mood changes and there are things that could help them even even if it's not having a major impact on their life. Now, I didn't mention when I introduced you at the top of the hour um, that you are also a certified thanatologist. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had not heard that phrase before. Do you mind? Mm -hmm. Do you mind telling me what that is and and sure. when a, a person with those skills is needed? Yeah, not many people have heard that term outside of the hospice world. It's it's thanatology is just the study of death and dying, and so it is learning about people who are either in the process of dying and the loved ones around them, how that affects them, or um, after the death, uh, caring for those who are left behind. And and when does that, how, how would someone know to contact a person that, that has that ability? Where would they even look? Um, thanatology usually goes along with other things. So a therapist okay. might also be a thanatologist or somebody who um, is a hospice worker might also be a thanatologist. It's, it's not usually a standalone job. Is there um, a, I, I'm not even sure how to, how to describe this, but is there a, a checklist or uh, uh, frequently asked questions uh, uh, thing that, that people can go to to, I, I don't know if we can protect ourselves from trauma and grief, but maybe shore ourselves up a little to deal with it when it comes along? I'm so glad you asked that question. There are protective factors. I, I was talking earlier about some people not developing PTSD. And um, the, the same with grief. They're, they're, they main, um, there's something called complicated grief. People who grieve much more uh, intensely and for longer periods of time than others. And just like with PTSD, the people who have developed complicated grief have pre-existing conditions. So there are ways to develop resilience and protective factors that will um, shore up your strength when you go through trauma and grief. Um, the number one way is just to have a good support network with a family and friends. And it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be real and authentic and, and people you can share your truth with. And um, people who are really in your life um, on a somewhat frequent basis, that's, that's a very big protective factor. Um, being able to um, act quickly and effectively despite feeling fear is another big protective factor. So people who are very anxious and get frozen 
in their anxiety um, are not well protected. So if you're somebody who is a very anxious person and tends to seize up when in your anxiety, you might want to get some therapy and become um, a little bit more resilient in that way so that you can act proactively and feel a little bit more empowered because disempowerment is, is very hard on us. Um, and another protective factor just has to do with how we think about things. Um, so acceptance of how you reacted when faced with significant danger rather than self-blame. So, so some people um, blame themselves, some people blame others. Other people accept that they did the best they could and others are doing the best they can. And those people who are accepting um, seem to be protected. And then um, some people have a growth orientation where they learn from an event and those people are also protected somewhat from from trauma and grief. This mm -hmm. is fascinating, Kira. And I'm really enjoying our conversation, but we just have a couple of minutes left. And I always want to sure. give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and what we've been talking about. Do you have a website, Kara? I do. I, um, I have a website. It's karabowman.com. Um, and I'm a licensed therapist in the state of California. Therapy is licensed by state, um, so you need to see a therapist in your own state if you're looking for a therapist. I have a, a book of, of poetry to support people in grief called Heartbreak to Hope. I also have a website I developed for my clients who have a, a lot of people who have been through trauma develop a startle reflex that really bothers them. Um, so I have a, a a therapy for that, and that website is called nostartle.com. Well, Kara, thanks so much for spending uh, this time with me this morning and sharing your expertise with me and the listeners. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, and thank you so much for bringing this information to people. I, I really feel for people and, and uh, what we are all going through together. It's a lot. Well, Kara, thanks again, uh, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Take care. You too. That was uh, Kara Bowman. She is uh, a trauma specialist and uh, certified thanatologist. Coming up in, uh, oh, about a uh, little under 20 minutes, we have Armchair Politics. It is Wednesday, which means uh, we convene the roundtable with our roundtable regulars. Uh, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, and joining the roundtable this week, Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley. So stick around for that. We have two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, and national headlines uh, in politics and current events, plus some quotes and uh, those weird, wacky stories we call the X Files. And uh, with that, we're going to take a uh, short break. We're going to let our broadcast partners. Uh, squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV 92.1 LPFM Flint, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. And if uh, you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So stay tuned. We'll be uh, back with more.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490.
TheTomSumnerProgram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Another familiar type of love song is the passionate or fiery variety, usually in tango tempo, in which the singer exhorts his partner to haunt him and taunt him and if at all possible, to consume him with a kiss of fire. (laughs) This particular illustration of this genre is called the masochism tango. of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Let our love be a flame, not an ember. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tangle. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Ugh. It's here that I must be. My heart entreats. Just hear those savage beats and go put on your cleats and come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany. That's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. My nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear drums. And I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love, sticking into your gums. Cast a spell that bewitches The last time I needed 20 stitches To sew up the gash that you made with your lash As we dance to the masochism tangle Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain Then kick me once again and say we'll never part I know too well I'm underneath your spell So darling, if you smell something burning, it's my heart Excuse me Take your cigarette from its holder And burn your initials in my shoulder Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine As we dance to the masochism tango This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
looking out my window Looking way down on the streets below Looking out my bedroom window, y'all Way down on the streets below The message from my baby Telling me she don't want to live it with me no more She sent me an email on my computer A text on my telephone Anyway, she can get in touch with me to tell me she wasn't coming home. No, look at my window. I'm looking down on the streets below.
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs> 